brother John Buddy. Uh, hope you enjoyed the interview with your friend Gotham. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, for the next audio, audio, and uh, <clears throat> hope it goes well and successful that you get it done without any frustrations or stressful moments, but at least you get it done uh, 100%, you know, feeling good about it, and, you know, blessed and thankful for it, and uh, yeah, I just hope it goes well and that you have no um, issues or difficulties, but I just hope it goes smoothly and uh, successful for this audio, which I'm thinking it will. I just thought I'd mention that, just so that you're happy about it. You know what I learned about Zoom that really has saved it for me? What? Hide self view. <laughs> do you know about hide self view? No, I, I, I love looking at myself. I'd never do that. Oh my gosh. It ruins it. Now I can just look at you. I'm not like, oh, whoa, look at my face all the time. <laughs> Oh man. Well, we've known each other since 1995. Five, yeah. That's 25 years this summer. That's crazy. <laughs> I was thinking, do you remember it was very early when we met and I like stepped on a fly or something or I I stepped on an ant? Do you remember this? Yeah, and I got upset about it. Yeah, you said, dude, that could be my grandma. <laughs> you will not believe what happened yesterday i was mowing the grass and there was this large mound of dirt that was new i'm like that wasn't there before i'm not going to worry about it too much i'm going to mow over it huge anthill just all these ants start streaming out of it and so the thing is i have to kill them because they're going to come into the house you know like i gotta exterminate this ant i gotta <laughs> It's thousands of ants. Forget what. How is a Jane supposed to handle coming upon the anthill? Well, I think the the orthodox method would be to leave it and not and really just not do anything about it. It's interesting because so many Janes are really strict about their diet, but then they forget simple things. Like if you're driving 300 miles for a weekend vacation, your windshield will be killing dozens or hundreds of bugs you know on your way down there right exactly yeah there's so many little things we do that result in violence and for me i look for ways to be responsible and to acknowledge it and be aware you know there are some things i do that will cause violence it's just the nature of being alive so how do i limit it and how do i take responsibility for the violence i do create in the world? wow audio audio Welcome to Audiodes, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Can I plug you real quick? Yeah, plug it. Thanks for becoming a subscriber. You became a $2 subscriber upon getting an invitation to appear. Well, I got to say, John, I've just always supported you and loved your music and loved your work and love you and we've had been such great friends for 25 years and and I heard about audios when they first came out and I'm like this is a cool idea and then I I started to listen to a couple and I was just captivated I was I I, I just like this is so interesting because it's 
it's very uh, your audio. It's, I feel like you're you're making an attempt to find the humanity in other people, even if you don't get them, even if you don't agree with them, right? Like, uh, I think that's that might be a part of what the freedom tour is about, right? Like all these people that I don't get, where's their humanity? Because it's there. That's also why I formed a, an account on the Breitbart discussion section, <laughs> and I've been engaged in conversation. Did you know Michelle Obama is not a woman, by the way? Oh, this is a known fact. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that throat? There's got to be an Adam's apple hiding in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, so. So, oh, okay. So, so yeah. So, the evo- so your evolution you're right. How much do we talk about? I mean, let's keep it focused on the political thing. Yeah, that's changed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how has that changed? For me personally? Yeah. You know, growing up upper middle class, I, I'm born in India, raised by Indian parents who were born and raised in India. I grew up around a lot of Indian families. There is a certain conservative aspect to that because these are people who literally built themselves up from little or nothing and moved to this country and worked their butts off. And so for them, following the rules and working your backside off and getting ahead, those are all things that put them towards the Republican side of things a little bit. And then me being in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I started to lean very left. I think that, yeah, throughout high school, throughout college, I would say I was very much left. And then I just started to I started to learn a little bit more and I started to research and I, I don't know if I could point to a specific thing that happened in my life, but. Well, when you say learn, one thing that's interesting is I don't remember talking politics with you when we were kids. No. Or even in no. college. I was, I would could have considered myself left then too, but I, we didn't talk about it. It just wasn't something yeah. that was present in daily life. Yeah. And also just being an actor and, and living in places where a lot of actors were like New York City. It's just a left-leaning community. Right. L.A. too, same thing. And I just remember once I got into a conversation with someone, I said, I, I just, I, I wish the government would stay out of my business. I'm a liberal because I, I believe in small government. And my friend is like, you're totally backwards. <laughs> when you say you learned, what did you learn? I started to learn, like I started to ask myself, like, what's the true role of government? Like, what's it for? And I think that one of the huge divides we see between Republicans and Democrats is they, they think that government has different purposes, different fundamental purposes. And I started to learn more about what each side thought those purposes were. I think there is a feeling among liberals that the government, the purpose is that they should be taking care of us to an extent. They should be looking out for our, our personal safety, our health, our, our well-being, as well as uh, our financial stability, our education, they should be taking care of these things for us. Not right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just, I think that is common among liberals. And then I think in principle, not necessarily in practice, but in principle, the Republican point of view is that the role of government should be very small. And if you want things, government should stay out of your way and create a level playing field so that you can work hard and get them yourself. That's pretty succinct. I'd say that's accurate. Well, one of the discussions I had on Breitbart with someone nowhere near as eloquent as you are, (laughs) we were talking about the education system. And I, 
basically I made some insinuation that we should take some of the billions of dollars from the defense budget, 700 billion annually on defense. I was like, what if we take 100 billion from defense for one year and put it toward education? And his response to that, which was interesting to me, was what makes you think that investing more money in education by the government would make it better? Yes. And I was like, good point. I'll take that. You know, just throwing money at something doesn't necessarily fix it. Like right now, you know, I'm working in construction management and I love it. I, I just think it's great. But when I'm working with a new engineer and I'm training them, I always say to them, step one is get your contact sheet together because you need to know who is in charge of what. You need to know the names, phone numbers, and emails of these people because problems are not solved by technology. They're not solved by money. They're not solved by computers or equipment. They're solved by human beings. They're solved by brains working together and Throwing $100 billion at education is wasting $100 billion because who's managing that? What's the process? Who are the people responsible? What are the roles and responsibilities? Who is gathering metrics to analyze whether your process is working? Like none of that is defined. You just put more money into one bucket. That's all you've done. Right. And we spend more money on education than anyone else in the developed world. And what is what do we have to show for it? We have very poor systems. We have poor systems, poor structures, poor responsibility, hierarchies. And yeah, you're, you're not going to fix that the simple way. And, and I feel like who's going to pay for this? Well, that's a great question on a much larger scale. I mean, we're now 20 trillion in debt. I don't even understand what that debt is. You know, is it just, I don't even really understand it. It sounds just hypothetical to me. What we need to talk about, and it's real, is your contact sheet for the people that are, you're managing these construction things with. What's your contact sheet for organizing your neighborhood to distribute? I mean, I went to the food bank yesterday to drop off some food. The San Francisco Marin County Food Bank. It blew my mind the size of this operation. I mean, there were... It was enormous. I don't know what's going on and who's getting fed from that, how they're distributing the food. There were seven semi-trucks, full 18-wheelers. You know, I'm... The, I, here's where I... I mean, I, I'm not even asking you what, what you identify as because the labels aren't really helpful, but I think something that is obvious to me is that a constitution that was written for a country of 4 million people in 13 coastal colonies in the late 18th century is no longer relevant. There are 350 million people in this country. In 50 states, you're 3,000 miles from me. How can there be any kind of contact sheet that is efficient and communicative and that can solve any problems on that level. I, I, I Okay, so I'm going to agree with what you're saying with many conditions, because the thing is, it's, it's easy to say, well, the, the Constitution is no longer relevant or is not as relevant as it used to be. That's easy to say, all right? So all you've done, and this is one of the reasons 
let's get deep here, John, because this is one of the reasons why I left the monastery. I'll tell you right now. Okay, so we're tying a couple threads together here. It's easy to do that because what you've done is you have just assigned yourself a belief structure that you can rely on, right? I belong to this, this school of thought, and, and there's an opposing school of thought, but I belong to this school of thought that the Constitution needs some work. It needs some work. That's why there are amendments to it, amendments to it okay? When we start to align ourselves with a belief structure, it's, it's really, really tricky ground. Yeah, because then you're going to be mowing the lawn and you're going to come across an anthill. You're going to come across an anthill. Exactly. That's one thing that happens. The other thing that happens is when our beliefs are threatened, research shows us that we double down on those beliefs, even if we have evidence to the contrary. Right. That's simple. There, there's actual cognitive psychology research behind that. That's what we do. The thing is, when you have a belief structure, you, you make it you. If someone attacks your beliefs, they are attacking you. That's how it feels. Okay, that's why we, we go into fear mode and we go into flight, fight or flight is because it's a very, very personal thing when someone attacks your belief structure. I was in the monastery and one thing I noticed over and over again is that people were creating a belief structure which was not necessarily sanctioned by anything our teachers were telling us, but they used that belief structure to justify any number of actions that we're not necessarily helping them. What's so, a specific example of that from the monastery? Okay, I'll give you a specific example, all right? So you're in a monastery. The idea is to be austere and to limit physical gratification as a way of controlling your mind. Yeah, I visited you there and I had a headache for three days. No coffee yeah, and we no only coffee. ate mangoes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right? Uh, as a way of controlling your mind. Mind control. Mind, mind, mind control. Mind, 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 mind. You want to learn to control your own mind. You're not controlling anyone else's mind, right? But what, what yoga teaches us is that desires are very dangerous because you satisfy a desire and then it's replaced by another one. So you want to take the time to understand the desires so that you can gain a certain mastery over yours. It's not that fulfilling a desire is bad. It's gaining some sense of control. So it's like, I will have one drink, but not 13. Yeah, or like I've been making my own granola, I will have one bowl of granola and not seven. Yes, exactly. I'm having seven. You're having <laughs> but, seven. Yeah. I didn't go to the monastery. <laughs> there were belief systems in the monastery that bothered you and caused you to leave. And largely it was people that were, what, it was like incongruous, their behavior from the belief system or... Well, this is a, a succinct way of putting it. They would decide what they want to do, and then they would reverse engineer a belief structure that supported it. There you go. Here's another example, okay? I knew a guy I used to work with in Cincinnati, conservative Christian, okay? Not married, no children. He was young, mid-20s. Uh, conservative Christian, he thought gay marriage was bad and evil, and he thought abortion was wrong, all this stuff. And I said... Well, the Bible says you shouldn't have premarital sex, but you have premarital sex, right? And he says, oh, well, I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. So he, here he is. He's cherry picking, okay? And he's creating a belief structure that says, I'm a good Christian because I believe X, Y, but not Z. But I don't have to believe Z because I choose not to believe that that's important. Right, exactly. Okay. So when I say, when I question the Constitution's 
yes. relevance to now. Yes. My fear and the concern is that you are, what you're doing is you're putting yourself in the camp of that belief structure, which is a safe place to feel like you're in, but we're not actually solving a problem. I mean, I don't know about that. It, do, it doesn't feel safe to me. It feels like, <laughs> well, holy, what are we going to do? Like go to Philadelphia and disband the union and just become 50 separate regions that coordinate on defense if we get attacked or something. I, I don't know. I mean, I would challenge that only to say that the reason I, I bring that up as an example is because I feel like it's ungovernable. I agree that the federal government is an unwieldy and largely unsuccessful entity in the United States. And people always point to the Scandinavian countries. It's like, well, yeah, there are 3 million Norwegians. <laughs> it's not yeah. 350 million Indians and the other Indians and me, mm -hmm. just good old white heterosexual John <laughs> and everybody, you know, like, holy God, we have a complex thing to organize over here. Yeah. And if you look at other countries that are, what other countries are our size, first of all, and the ones that are bigger than us are, are not any better. India and China are not better. You know, India is the largest democracy in the world. I think we're doing better job at democracy than they are in some ways. Yeah, in some ways. I mean, India is very, I mean, I'll tell you as someone Indian born, India is very corrupt. Right. Very corrupt. I mean, it's just, and two thirds of the nation is below the poverty line. It's, and it's, there's a lot that they, you know, whatever, we all have our shit to sort out. I'm not. No, I was thinking that at your wedding, Gotham. I mean, I, I w it was something that was beautiful about that. That here was all that your parents are first generation immigrants. Yeah. And you are their son. And here we are having a big old American wedding with those traditions in Cincinnati. I mean, in many ways, I was thinking like, this is the idea of America. Here it is right here. Yeah. And, and it does work in some in some level. There's so many levels in which it doesn't work. But that's what it. So how do we how do we make it work? How do we form a more perfect union? OK, you want me to give you my ideal world? Yeah. Yeah. Let's say you're in charge. OK. I Let's would love you to be in I would vote for you to be replaced as the president immediately. <laughs> <laughs> You're the president. What do you do? It's a nonviolent Jane military. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you got the anthill, in which case. I don't know. Yeah, I'm mowing it over. I'm going <laughs> to mow that anthill so hard. <laughs> okay, so you come on. Actually, it's not TV. It's a YouTube simulcast. I'm going to say uh, my fellow Americans. Uh, it is my honor to serve as the leader of our wonderful country. I see some changes that need to happen. First of all, term limits for all members of Congress. Yes. Yes. Yeah. First of all. And we talked about this once, John. I don't even remember, but I said something like, no more than 20 terms over the course of your lifetime and no more than two consecutive terms. 20 terms, that's too many. Well, something like that, you know, where there'd be a lifetime cap and you could serve a certain number consecutive, but you'd have to stop every so often. I like that, that's cool, I like that. And see, that's the, that's the thing that kills me is there are creative solutions, but people are always thinking in terms of term limits mean only two terms and that's it. Well, no, we decide what term limits are because we're creative, intelligent people. Yes, Gotham, I've been saying that. I keep saying that. Why can't we get creative and funky and cool with this? I mean, yeah. 
it could yeah. be so fun. It's actually if you're if you're willing to talk, and and this is one thing that came up in a on one of my projects where the architect said, ideally, we don't want any change orders, which is a joke. A change order is when like something goes wrong in construction and you have to go back to the architect and say, how do we fix this, right? No RFIs is what he really said. And I said, this What's sounds RFI? like a joke, but this is request for information. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, no one likes those emails. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, we don't want any RFIs. And he was joking because there's always RFIs. And I said, you know what, Jeremy, you, you're joking, but this is an opportunity for us. Like what looks like a crisis and a problem is really an opportunity. Let's get creative. Let's talk. Let's understand each other. And is the goal here to then shrink this, the budget of what is necessary to then give it back to the private sector so that? Yeah, exactly. You know, there's and here's the thing is that some of this stuff is really not as expensive as we think it is. Like if you look at healthcare, I want to live in a society where people are given information and resources, but then they're responsible for their own health or their own everything, right? Mm -hmm. What's the number one killer in America? Heart disease, right? Heart disease. What percentage of heart disease is preventable or reversible? Uh, most of it? 80%, 80%. 80% of heart disease is preventable or reversible. I will pay taxes to pay for the 20%. Look, man, you got congenital heart failure. I'll pay for that as a taxpayer. And I will pay to educate people and give them resources. My favorite example is smoking, all right? So you've got somebody who, let, people make mistakes in life, all right? You, you pick up the habit of smoking maybe in your early 20s. You make a mistake. I will pay to give that person the education they need to understand what's going on with their health. I will pay for a smoking cessation program that help that person get over their addiction, right? As a taxpayer, I'll pay for these things. But if you give someone the education and the opportunity and they don't change, then they're responsible. That's the society I want to live in. I will help people. I'll support them. You know, I'll help. I want people to help me improve and I will help others improve. But at some point, they're responsible for the choices they've made. Right. I don't think a lot of people like that. I don't think a lot of people agree with me on that. So, but I think that was a big part of the transition for me is what is personal responsibility for me? As long as I'm willing to deal with the consequences of my actions and as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, I should be free to do what I want. Freedom. Hmm. Freedom itself was attacked this morning by a faceless coward and freedom will be defended. I guess one thing I'm thinking, I, I don't disagree with anything that you've said. Part of me feels like that can only happen in a perfect world though. And we don't live in a perfect world. You and I are both children of privilege to a large extent and we both- I admit that. <laughs> me too. So I wonder, well, the main thing you, the main, issue maybe is the government creating an equal playing field is there an equal playing field how do you create an equal playing field so then people can be left to their own devices and reap the consequences of their actions yeah i mean that is like how you do that is is a bigger question i think that a lot of it's just going to come from 
educating people. I think if you educate people and if you, you got to do boots on the ground work. That's why states and counties and municipalities are best positioned to do this kind of work. That's why they need to be the ones with the money and the power. You know, like the the gun violence problem in Chicago is different from the gun violence problem in Charlotte. And it's not just that the state of North Carolina and the state of Illinois have to figure out. It's like, get your boots on the ground. Like, look at the situation, decide what really do we need to do here in this situation to fix it and give those people the autonomy and the money to do it. We need to start trusting the people with the intelligence. And, and that's another thing that scares me is I think that we're moving away from really like reason-based, factual decision-making. Well, there's no question about that, yeah. And part of it is what we said before, where beliefs. So I'll give you another example. There was a guy on, on the right side of the gun debate, you know, conservative, who wants his gun rights. And he was talking about immigration. He said, look at all these foreigners coming in here and committing these mass shootings. And the person interviewing this, this guy said, well, you know that statistically a mass shooter is most likely to be young, white, and male. And this guy said, I don't believe that. Yeah, right, exactly. So Ugh. so here you have a fact being presented, but a belief is more important than a fact. Yeah. This is dangerous. Very dangerous. This is very dangerous. And so, and the, the same thing happens now. You look at the coronavirus and people throw out statistics. Mathematics is a language. And like any language, you can use that language to tell any story you want. If you pick the right numbers, you could make it look like anything. Do people have the, the scientific understanding of how to question how numbers are even gathered in the first place to really analyze things and say, okay, well, this is what's actually happening. Someone will say, oh, well, it's a 0.5% fatality rate. 0.5% of a very large number is bigger than 100% of a small number. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to break Well, but yeah, so right again, we're back to education. Yeah. And we're back to training minds to be critical thinkers yeah and which is we're reaping the harvest of decades of declining education system which interesting you can lay at the feet of the actual the department of education maybe you can lay it at the feet of government education however you want to do it it's not working and along comes five years ago this escalator ride into our hearts and minds of just an alternative reality that is daily delivered. I mean, just the other day, the we can't trust the the figures of how many people are dead. It's fake. It's fake. It's fake news. Which is actually, it's probably undercounted, not overcounted, because of the testing. It, it is. It's that critical thinking that bothers me. And I'm going to bring up a, a, a totally different example. But I think you're going to like what I'm about to say. So we talk about Russian interference in the election in 2016, right? Okay, I get it. And and we know that it happened because that's already been determined. We don't know whether Trump had anything to do with it. Okay, forget about all that. Russian interference in the 2016 election. The question I ask, I don't think anyone has asked this is, why is it so easy for us to be influenced by what we're seeing oh, great in question. social media? Great question. Why is it so easy? And why are we not interrogating what we see differently. Oh, great, Gotham. Yeah. Because that would solve it. I mean, you can't knock down a strong immune system. Where's our mental immune system? Where is our, where's our, just, just how we look at things, you know? Where is that? Because I, I will tell you, and, and nobody, when John McCain died, people on both sides of the aisle were so sad. But the news stream, when John McCain was running for president, what you saw on social media was the same thing you saw on social media when Trump ran. 
It was the same kind of liberal attacks on him. Now, the, the details were different, but the, the vitriol was exactly the same. It was the same sort of venomous thinking towards him. And wh- why aren't we seeing that this is like the next Republican that runs, the liberals are going to run to him and attack him the same way they've attacked McCain and Trump and whoever else. Well, and likewise, the Republicans are going to yes. attack. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting to watch Breitbart like work on the Joe hate and they're doing a good job. Like yeah. he's a pedophile now. He's a pedophile Ukrainian agent with spurious ties to China. Spurious ties. And um, <laughs> now he, whatever, he's he wants immigrants to flood our borders and vote for him. Yeah. But yes, I'm with you 100%. Gotham, that is... So how do you educate... How do you educate millions of people? Who's to say what those standards are? Because some people are going to say it's teaching in Christ. It's a moral failing. We need to teach about the family and abstinence, not sex education, abstinence. And, and here's the thing. Like, if you believe in abstinence and, and all and sex, whatever you want to call it, like, there are places you can do that. You guys have churches. Go to Sunday school and teach that all you want. We're not saying it's wrong to teach that. You want to teach creationism you want to teach that masturbation is bad you have a right this is america you have a right to believe those things you have a right to say those things and think those things so you have every right to to believe that masturbation is wrong every right to believe that abortion is wrong every right to believe that you know family values are decaying and that these have to be upheld you have every right to believe those things but where do we teach those things do we teach them in public education i don't think so personally so we need to get people to be critically thinking in en mass like the majority of people need to be critical thinkers mm-hmm. who understand logic so that when they get delivered some russian bullshit or liberal or conservative bullshit on social media they can go yeah you know, like like i mean here i'll do it right now let me just go to breitbart not to pick on Breitbart. I'll go on Breitbart and I'll... What's, what do you think is the most liberal site that's the, is Breitbarty on the left? Oh, gosh. What's Breitbarty on... Like, all of the media? <laughs> uh, no, what's Breitbarty on the left? MSNBC is pretty bad. MSNBC. Huffington Post actually is worth. Let's just go to Huffington Post. Yeah. Okay. The Raw Story, aren't they pretty left? The who? The Raw Story. I don't know. I don't know that one. Okay. Yeah. So Breitbart, so, okay, so here's the lead story on Breitbart is report. Lockdown suicide spike to kill more than coronavirus in Australia. There's going to be a spike of suicides as a result of the lockdown, and that's going to kill more people than the coronavirus in Australia. Okay. So here's the thing is there are a lot of layers to that. First of all, is it true? You know, you don't know. You don't know how they... You don't, and maybe they think it is true, but how did they parse the numbers? How are they looking at the, the data that's being presented to them? That's what you don't know. Because so there's some critical thinking. I'll throw yeah. in suicide is not contagious. Suicide is not contagious. Okay. So the reason we're having a lockdown is to slow and prevent the spread of the virus so that our health system is not overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting very interesting philosophical argument if that kills more people from suicide are you better off not locking down but if a virus is 
easily transmitted won't more people die if you don't lock down than would die from this that's the other thing is you can never replay history with a different set of circumstances you, you can speculate oh if we ended the lockdown early not this wouldn't have been so bad you don't know that there's no way of knowing that's obvious i mean anybody can tell you that but how are they parsing the data that's been given to them i would read the article have you ever read a breitbart article no, it's no, trash. I mean, with all due respect to the people that are getting their news this way, it's absolute trash. But I'll give you the data. According to the respected Worldometer's running tallies, there have already been <laughs> there have already been 374,000 suicides since the start of 2020, whereas the Wuhan coronavirus has claimed 251,000 lives. Johns Hopkins University reveals. Well, how many of those suicides do you attribute to the coronavirus lockdowns? So let's backtrack a little bit. The respected world o meter. Yeah, I. <laughs> if, first of all, never heard of the world o meter, but if it were respected, I, you wouldn't have to say it. You don't have to say the respected World Health Organization. You have to say the respected Vatican or the respected. You don't have to say. Well, that. the World Health Organization is a Chinese. They're a Chinese agent now. Oh right. Right. Okay. So what's interesting, Gotham, is that you and I, I mean, I don't know where I come in and all this, but we agree on pretty much everything. Well, but you said the thing about all media is left wing pretty derisively, but we're agreeing here that you have to question critically what you read. I would say that generally a lot of news outlets, I feel like they are a little bit to the left, which I think one of the reasons why conservatives are so hurt is because their views are just not respected so often. Great you know? point. Great point. And then, like, hurt. Look, I love what you said. I may that. not agree with you that you may think masturbation is wrong. I may not agree with you. I definitely don't agree with you. You may think that masturbation is wrong, but I'm a lot. I should respect that. You know, I don't have to agree with anything you believe, but you're, you're allowed to believe that. And we just have to find a way to live next to each other and, and you know, mow the yard next to each other right but it's starting to feel like we can't like we're not going to do that like well we may not but we can we do i have friends i disagree with on stuff like it's the problem is here here's the problem all right let's let's quote the bible sure why not let's get deep into let's get let's get deep into the bible man all right god made man his own in his own image he created adam and eve they're living in the garden of eden right everything's great and perfect and beautiful now, Eve eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God finds out and casts them out of paradise. So let's analyze this allegorically and metaphorically. Let's not be so literal. Yoga teaches us that everything is one, and we've decided on this notion of opposites. So when Eve eats of this apple, she thinks that everything's the same. She thinks that everything is this one beautiful, glorious creation. But this thought of good and evil, of opposites, enters her brain. And suddenly other thoughts of opposites enter her brain, male and female, naked and clothed. The whole world of opposites is born into her mind, born into Adam's mind. And because of this duality, because we dwell on differences instead of similarities, we can no longer enjoy paradise. We can no longer enjoy happiness. I love it. I love it. I love it. Anytime two people come together, I don't care what two people they are, right? They are 99% the same. But we focus on the 1%. We focus exclusively on the 1%. And that's why we get so tied up in the fact that I believe 
and I'm pro-choice and someone else is pro-life. Like we get so tied up in that. It's, you know, again, we identify as our beliefs. So that's very normal, but there's another way. Like if you sit down with someone and, and, and make a list of all the things you have in common with them, then suddenly having a conversation about abortion becomes easier. The abortion is interesting because it's so hard, right? Yeah, the abortion one's interesting because I've taught, I've gone with my mom on this one, thirteen rounds, and it's like God is present when a baby is created at the moment of conception, and life begins at the moment of conception. So, because I say, why can't we just live and let live? You believe what you believe, but a woman has a right to choose, and her body is her body, and you can't tell her what to do with her body, and I won't tell you what to do with your life and whatever. But in this particular instance, they believe they can tell you what to do with your body because you're murdering a creation of God. So that's a point where the beliefs now are infringing upon the freedoms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Likewise, you know, I'll give you a real, here's a real horrible leftist example that I feel is like, I don't think you should be able to drive your car 30 miles an hour in a city. There's a war on cars. I think your car should be speed governed to 15 miles an hour in the city limits with technology. 15, 15 miles, miles an hour. Because it's gonna reduce, it's gonna save lives. I mean, they've done studies. You'll get through the city in the same amount of time. You just won't sit at as many lights for as long. Now there's a war on cars. People's beliefs should not infringe upon other people's freedom. Is that what yes. we're talking about? I mean, I, yeah. So then what do you do about the abortion people? Because those people are not going to go for it. But yeah, this is, it's, you're right. I, I don't have a simple answer for you. My point in bringing up abortion is because it's such a polarizing issue, but there's a possibility for actual dialogue and understanding and compassion if you concentrate on the 99% of stuff that you have in common with this person. Until you get to the 1% that's abortion and they say, okay, well, but on that one, you can't do it. And now we're in trouble because... I think we're fine. I totally agree with you, Gotham. We're fine if you just let it be. But if you just let it be, then someone should be able to drive 50 miles an hour through a city. I mean, who am I to tell them how fast they can drive? You know, it was easy when we were in ro roving bands of 50 and we had no concept of personal property. That's the anthropologist's argument, right? Is that human beings were never meant to live in societies of hundreds of thousands or millions of people. Which is arguably true. Yeah, which is very, you, I mean, you see it. And if you go to like Denmark, they have shared housing communities where you have maybe 150 people living in a in a complex together and they share childcare, they cook together, they party, they do, they live in a community and it's very successful. And it's like, wow, that's a cool idea. I mean, I agree. I think that if you went to the hardest right-wing pro-choice person and show them a real life human being in a specific situation, they may say, oh gosh, this poor woman should probably do what she thinks is best for herself. But because they don't know that person, they don't have a personal connection to that human being, they're relying on belief. Right, and that's where you're really in trouble on this internet culture too, is in these discussion sections, you don't know anybody, that you don't even know who they're, they're like an avatar and a fake name. You don't have to engage with their humanity at all. 
Yeah, and the thing with uh, social media is it's very easy to just find people who who play in your sandbox. Like you can surround yourself with people who only believe and think what you think. That's what I'm trying to do with the Freedom Tour, which now is probably going to happen in 2021, because I don't think that it's safe to take a train to St. Louis right now and bike 3,500 miles. A state as large as ours, a nation state, uh, is many parts, but at the end of the day, we're one body. There's a mutuality and there's a recognition of our interdependence that requires of this moment that we direct a statewide order for people to stay at home. Stay at home, 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 stay at home. Critical thinking. Well, you kind of said it, right? Like you can believe what you want, but it can't infringe on someone else's freedom. I think what we, what the majority of Americans would agree upon is that reform is needed. Change is needed. And if you ask like a far left Democrat person, they would say this is an authoritarian, totalitarian administration and whatever they would say. And if you ask a far right person that really loves that's like a Trump person, they would say, from what I've been getting on Breitbart, the Democrats are communists. And they, you know, it's amazing. They both call each other fascist. Yeah. They call Pelosi fascist and they call Trump fat. It's like everybody's fascist. (laughs) So how are we gonna actually talk to each other? If we're gonna go with this idea of a nation state and we're gonna say America is a nation state and it has Maine in it and it has California in it, and we're gonna go with the federalist idea that the states have rights. How are we gonna get past this moment of divisiveness, divisiveness? What are we gonna do? Uh, (laughs) How do we get back to when you and I met and it was the 90s and you only thought about politics, you know, right around November, you went in there, you voted for Bill Clinton (laughs) and you just forgot about it. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Bill Clinton will be all right. Yeah, he got impeached while we were in college. I know, I know. (laughs) But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. You have the experience personally of being wrapped in a belief system and then shedding that belief system entirely. Uh, thank you. I, I've, I've kind of always said that to myself. I've always said that's sort of the mark of wisdom is the, the willingness to take everything you believe in and just toss it out the window when you find something more true and more real and more authentic. You've done that multiple times. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that, that's interesting that you take that as a compliment. It's something that I respect about you, but it's, it wasn't necessarily meant as a compliment, more as just a, how do we learn from that wisdom then? You know, and how were you able to do that? My God, no one's able to do that. How, do you, how were you able to do that? You gave up everything to be in that monastery. And then you had to move back with your parents in your late 30s to Cincinnati yeah. and start yeah. over again in a career. Yeah, and then I got married and moved and changed everything. Right, exactly. And now you're going to have a baby. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you what it is for me. I I think that I've been fortunate with 
with just the way I was raised and the yoga and the meditation that as much as I have beliefs and as much as I hold on to them, ultimately I don't identify as them. I don't equate my identity as that belief. When we get in touch with our humanity as people and we, we can bring that up in other people and you know, you, you've got to embody it. You've got to embody that humanity and that compassion and that love. And then when people see that in you, it's, it's small. It's like a, it's like, it's a very small thing, but if we're willing to connect to others, even if we just disagree with them, even if we hate their point of view, if we're willing to connect to ourselves and connect to others authentically. And, and that, that's my hope. That's my, that's, I've always said this. I have a great deal of faith in humanity. I don't believe in, in religions or governments or I believe in myself. I believe in humanity. Everything else is uh, dogma, ideology. It's limited thinking. It might get you to a certain point, but it won't create sustainable growth. Was there like a moment at the monastery when you were like, this is dogma, this is ideology, this is not humane or not humanity? First of all, I do want to preface and say that like my overall impression of the monastery, I have nothing bad to say about the monastery at all or the people there. I think that those circumstances created certain ways of thinking amongst people and that's okay. You know, that's... That's fine. Was there a specific point? No, I think it was the buildup of things over time that, that got me to a point where I said, this is people coming up with belief structures to justify doing whatever they want to do. And that's not the way I want to live. Yeah, I'm not demonizing that either, by the way, by bringing it up. I just, I remember visiting you there and without any of that philosophical depth that you've been talking about, I remember being like, I don't think I couldn't do this. There's no way I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> You have to get up at this time and go do, yeah. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Very disciplined. Took a lot of discipline to do that. Mm -hmm. But then you also did the circus. I mean, there's an ideology to the circus too. There's a, I mean, that's it, isn't it? It's like we all, we're innately social creatures, our species. So we want to belong to parties or to religions or to communities of artists or that's not the same that's not the same thing john that's not the same thing what belonging to a community and believing in an ideology are not the same thing and so many so many false communities want you to believe that you have to believe something to belong to that community that's not real community that's not community at all that's that's cultish that that is a cult the the idea that you can only belong to us if you believe this that is a cult <laughs> But a true, a true community welcomes any number of belief structures, right? <laughs> well, but then what, how do you define community then? I mean, I agree, I love that, but if we are a community of Americans, if that's what we're going for here? I mean, a community is people, is a group of people who respect the humanity of each other. You want a definition that would, that's probably the only definition I would give is you've got this set of people and they agree that everybody there has an innate human value. Yeah, well then that's not American. That's gotta be <laughs> Well, no, I'm with you, but that's gotta be global then. That's gotta be global. That's gotta be global. That's, gotta be global. that's, gotta be global. that's not that's a state by global. state. We gotta talk about globalism. <laughs> You're talking, let's get global. That's gotta be global. Then you can't bomb. You can't fly planes in buildings. That's gotta be That's gotta be That's gotta be That's gotta be That's gotta be